What were you saying? Yes, I've noticed two things about my poo schedule recently. Hmm. First of all, hello, by the way, to anyone listening, connecting vague dots. Um, I've noticed two things about my poo schedule recently. The first is that I'm going a lot more often. How, how often is often? See, I'll say often is twice. No. Often, yeah, often probably about twice a day, I'd say. It, it Sometimes it does go towards that. But, you know, we've talked about this before. Um, have, yeah. Usually I'm every other day. Yeah. But recently it's been at least once a day. And also, the second thing I've noticed is it's almost like I've been wanting to need to go more. So you're finding you enjoy yourself more, maybe. I just like sort of sitting down on the toilet and doing my business. So you are you are Hugh from the thick of it. <laughs> yes. Yes, I am. I just like to sit on the toilet with my new statesman and have ten minutes to myself. Yeah, I don't even pick up the paper. I just sort of go, no, this time is for me. <laughs> is this that is bad? So... <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, apart from that, Jay, how have you been? Yeah, not bad. Yeah? Yeah, yeah I've been alright. How have you been? I haven't spoken to you all week. No, I know. It's p- bliss. Absolute bliss. Oh, God. Tell me about um, it. I've been, um, yeah, I've been in a bit of a rut, actually. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. But more about that later. Firstly, did you go and revisit any of anyone's recommendations from last week, if you remember all of them? I can't remember. So Dan had Marvel, Avengers Marvel, Endgame. Marvel. <laughs> he did. The Avengers Endgame it was Billy Ocean. Yeah. I can't remember which song. Love Only Hurts Without You. That's the no. one. Love Always Hurts Without You. No, it's not that. What is it? Baby. Love Really Hurts. Love Really Hurts. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> we, were... <laughs> we were so close. Yeah, so it was Love Really Hurts Without You, Avengers Endgame, and that new Avengers comic that came out about four years ago or something. Yeah. Yeah, no. No, me neither. Um, and then Tom was... was um, the film about with Al Pacino. Dog Day Afternoon. Dog Day Afternoon. Uh, and then Swayed by Swayed. Yeah. And, and then... then... Oh, it was... Um, Dorian Gray. Dorian Gray, yeah. That was it. That's a no again from me. Yeah, same here. Okay. Not, not because they're bad things, just because um, I just didn't. I feel like the system's flawed, because we both just don't. There's doers and there's donters, and we're very much... Donters. Donters. Yeah. I think it's because we just find other things that we'd rather do. <laughs> it's because we, we know that our, our taste is better than anyone else's, so we don't, we don't want to waste our time on... Maybe we should change others. it such that we get a point for every t- everything we revisit. That would be nice. Should we do that? Than, rather than it gives the other person a point. No, we both get a point. No, that's pointless then. <laughs> <laughs> Let's say if for everything that from now on, for everything that I revisit or you revisit of another person's, we get a point. What a fantastic idea. Because it shows that we've paid attention <laughs> and we've actually respected the other person's choices. We'll have to start doing that now. Yeah, we'll have to stop taking the piss out of Dan. Ellie left him last week. As in, went went back to her own house. I thought that was (laughs) what you meant. Um, And in case it wasn't what you meant, I was stifling a giggle. (laughs) Me and... um... Dan said it, me and Tom and Dan were chatting, and um, Dan goes, oh yeah, Ellie's left. Tom's eyes lit up. Oh, went, really? Oh. What? Really? <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Anyway, so for those of you who are um, virgins, I mean, most of that's going to get cut out. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> for those of you who are who are yet to listen to Connecting Vague Dots, and um, this is your first episode, um, jump on board. Is what I'll say. Um, 
I'll give you the quick sort of rundown what we do. We pick a film, we pick a piece of music, we pick a book, and then we try to. Oh, I've lost it. I lost my. I lost my. <laughs> you were doing really well. <laughs> you go. You go. Cut so mine. we pick a film, we pick a book, we pick a piece of music, each with an underlying connection chosen by us, and the other person has to work out what it is. That's the first time you've done it well. Yeah, I think so. And by the way, the point system is done in a very much only connect style. Yeah, it is. That's that's probably the the best description of this podcast that we've ever done, and it's episode seven. We should we should just po- paste that at the end of every single. At the start of every single video. I can't speak today. I'm getting everything mixed up. Mm. Maybe it's because you started the call or it started recording the call immediately. Yeah, I don't have to. We had absolutely no run up to this. Yeah. And on that note. And on that awkward pause that isn't being edited out. (laughs) Is Um, there something else that we. Oh. Continuing to, did you revisit any of my things from last week? So, um, no, no. Alien and uh, a book that I can't remember. Watchmen. Watchmen and the music, which was um, bitches brew. Bitches brew. No, I didn't. No, and you didn't revisit any of my. I've forgotten what they were. I might have. I might have done by accident, honestly. Uh, uh, Monster calls, Sufjan Stevens, and um, Narnia. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> That's so- sort of disappointing, isn't it? Well, I'm not really disappointed. We've never, never have we revisited any of each other's um, suggestions. So, what? Why would that change? On by now? Yeah. Well, now that we've re now that we've revamped the system, I think that will be changing. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Um, you could do a scraping a few points, so you'll be right all over that shit. Although, you won't be all over my film choice, unfortunately. Have you picked a film that I hate and you know I hate? I picked one that you don't like as much as I do. Okay. I realised, though, two weeks ago, I guessed your film before you'd even said it and before I'd even gotten your connection. Because when when you were picking Knives Out and you went, yes. it's a new film and it's really good. <laughs> yeah, Anyone did. who actually knows you knew what film you were talking about. Yeah. From that sentence. You still need to watch it. You'd love it. I'm sure I would. I'll get around to it. Yeah, no, I'll get around to it. Good. Right, do you want to kick us off with your with your film? I mean, you've already teed up yours a little bit, so... I have a bit. Okay, I was hoping you'd say that. So, my film... Is um, it's a brilliant film. We'll see if you can guess it from my dis- from my description again. So it's it's one of my favourite films of all time. Um, released in 1987. It's set uh, on the turn of the decade, so it's set 79 to 80. Um, it's about two blokes, um, living together. With Null I. Yes, it's with Null and I. It's a point to me. It's well, I don't know. I gave you quite a lot there. Actually, what, I didn't it's, really. it's about two blokes at the turn of the decade. Yeah. Bloody hell, Seth. <laughs> <laughs> That's a big description. All right, all right. Maybe I can... shouldn't get the point. No, 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 no. You, you may have a point. Thank you. Or half a point. Um, Make so mind up. You can have half a point. Okay, fine. So, so if you're not familiar with um, the premise, the premise is it's uh, you got Paul McGann, the brilliant, wonderful Paul McGann, one of my favourite actors, um, played the Eighth Doctor very well. I've got his signed photograph up on my wall, like a like some sort of fan girl would. Um, and fanboy. Fanboy. And it says, um, to Seth with love, Paul McGann. And he's put a little eight in Roman numerals to remind me that he's the eighth doctor, which is lovely, just in case I forgot. And it's um, the film, the film, the film. So you've got Paul McGann and um, uh, Richard E. Grant, who are both failed actors. And um, they're being a bit stifled by the sort of... Um, well, by London and where they live and all this sort of suburban um, setting. And they decide to get, uh, go away to the countryside. However, this um, going away to the countryside involves having to, um, you know, what's that word where you sort of grease someone up a bit? Anyway, they have to um, win the favour of um, Richard E. Grant's eccentrically gay uncle, who is Uncle Monty, played brilliantly by Richard Griffiths, late Richard Griffiths. And um, 
they, they go to the countryside and um, that's it, really. And then they come back and... It's, it's very much a meandering film, isn't it? Yeah, but as is, as is life. As is yeah. life. It's got it, a great soundtrack. Jay, are you like you like the soundtrack? It's got a lot of Hendrix in the soundtrack, and even the score is good, which is uh, Richard Wentworth and David Dundas or something, and it's brilliant, yeah. Oh, I'd forgotten about the soundtrack. Yeah, I, I just remembered now. It's quite poppy. Yeah. The, the soundtrack is. Sort of pop. That's just my dad doing the bottle bin. It's um, sort of pop. Poppy, but that grungy seventies sort of pop. Yeah, yeah. I have mixed feelings about with Nell and I. I don't. It's very similar to Local Hero in that it doesn't really have much going on. Yeah, that is true. But I think there is an element of yes, there's a there's a big element of simplicity in both of them. But I do feel like with Nell and I has a. It's almost like it's got an edge. It likes showing you its edge, and local hero is very sort of rounded and wholesome. Possible. I think it's just because you associate with none and I with Tom Carey. I don't know. It isn't. I'm not sure if it does have an edge. You know. I think Richard E. Grant's character has an edge. Yeah. And you know, there are some. There are some elements of the film that are. Not for all viewers. Whereas mm. local hero is very. Are they yes, they are similar, but I, I, I like local hero more. Do, do you know what I wanted to do actually? So I've actually got the screenplay with me, and I was going to open it up on a random page and see what the quote was because the best thing about Wooden and I is it's extremely quotable. Okay, go ahead. Okay, so let's let's see what we get. Yeah. Um, just edit this bit where I'm looking for the. I should have had it ready, really, but. Hold on. It's, uh... Whilst Seth wanders around finding his screenplay, uh, it's probably a good <sighs> thing to say. Although Whitten and I is very quotable, it is mainly Richard E. Grant's character who provides the main quotability. Sorry, Hello. I was just monologuing whilst you were away. Oh, good, I look forward to that. In the... Almost like we were a radio silence. <laughs> going, oh, the producers had to go do something... I'm going to talk. <laughs> yeah. Are you ready? So just say stop. Stop. <laughs> yes. Very good. Um, this is in um, Monty's apartment. Um, and Monty's asking, do you grow? Withnell says, geraniums. Monty, you little traitors. I think the carrot infinitely more fascinating than the geranium. The carrot has mystery. Flowers are essentially tarts. Prostitutes for the bees. It's very good. It is very good. It is an incredibly poetic film. Ah, oh, I'm glad that worked and it wasn't something. That was, I don't <laughs> think it could have been. But we it won't do it again. It just wasn't the random scene when they're just walking through a field and there's a cow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Although I do like the black spots line. Which line? Right near the start of the film when they're just driving past an accident black spot. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah, he's very um. Well, he's, 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 he's an a actor. Lot of... <laughs> he's an actor. Yeah, it's sort of nihilist, nihilism. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's, it's, it is very well done, and I do like it a lot. Good. Um, t- take, a, take a guess at my link, if you dare. It's quite... Let's go... It's all sort of actory. That's really annoying. <laughs> Because you haven't got it. Hey! Just to see that smug look on Jay's face drop was one of the best moments of my life. Oh, I'm Has so. Has it dropped happy. yet? I feel like it's still up. I it's feel like st- I'm it- still gurning at you. It's still up, but it's lost its glee. Okay, the, the glint has gone. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> was I anywhere near? Um. <laughs> Good. I'm very pleased. All right, let's have your film. If you could, um, if you could spin a yarn around it like I did, you know, give me a bit of singing before yarn. you reveal it. See if I could, see if I could guess it and get half. Well, this film is was a long-awaited film from about 
three years ago now, actually, I think. God, is it that long? It can't be that long ago. No, yeah. So, long-awaited, um, futuristic sci-fi ah. film from three years ago, and I'm guessing you've got it. Is it 2049? Yes, it is. Blade yeah. Runner 2049. Three po- I mean, half a point for me. I always said three points for me. That's, that's not quite right. Three points? That's not how uh, that works. <laughs> that would have been unfair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's been. It's, I've only actually seen it once in the cinema, and I haven't seen it since. But I picked it because there's, there's, it's quite memorable. Yeah. There's, for anyone who doesn't know, it's the long-awaited sequel to the original... Ridley Scott's Blade Runner, directed by uh, Denis Villeneuve. And it focuses on Ryan Gosling's character, who is... Is, this, is he Kay? Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. Um, and he is under the impression that he's a synth? He is a, he is a, he is a replicant, isn't he? Yeah, he well, like like everything in Blade Runner, it's all sort of a bit up in the air yeah, yeah, yeah. about uh, anything's <laughs> true nature. And yeah, it, and both films do love to play on the idea. Maybe he's a replicant. Maybe he's not. Maybe it doesn't really matter. Yeah, the last one is probably true. Mm. Um. And he is a police officer, uh, much like Deckard in the first. And there is a some sort of corporate conspiracy or something. Or there's a scene in a factory which is very revelatory in a very sort of non-revelatory way. Yeah. He was just wandering around a factory and he thinks he's having false memories. Yeah. It's actually very difficult to describe, isn't it? I mean, the actors who were in it when they were promoting the film. Yeah. I think the I think when they both went, I think they did both go on Graham Norton's show, <laughs> and they had one question about the film, and they both went, "Uh, do you want to go for this one?" They went, nah, you you do it. <laughs> Ooh, but I don't know. Yeah. Just go. Uh, we'll move on. <laughs> That was about it, because mm. it is very difficult to talk about in a very non-spoilery way. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think the main thing is that you've got Ryan Gosling who goes and hunts down. Um, well, he's a Blade Runner, so he's got Deckard's job, um, yeah. and he keeps having these um, vivid flashbacks or memories to his uh, childhood and sort of where he came from. And um, the whole film is essentially it's him trying to figure out whether these are implants or whether mm. these are his memories. And you do get an answer at the end, um, but obviously there's this uh, corporation stuff as well where Jared Leto is running some sort of dodgy business. I don't really... I can't... And there are revolutionary undercurrents as well. How you do you mean? Get, like, the, the, was it the Human League or something or other? Where he goes into the underground and meets a bunch of humans oh yeah the film it's it's an open-ended ending as well different to the original film which is quite closed the 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 ending of the first film is open to interpretation whereas the ending of the second film is sort of like oh does this mean they're going to make another one yeah yeah i didn't realize the ending of the first film have you heard the whole um where they got the footage from for all of the green um so basically, Deckard runs away with Rachel, doesn't he? And then you've got all of this sort of sweeping footage of like hills and mountains and stuff. Yeah. They just nicked it from a Stanley Kubrick film. Did they? Or an old reel that he'd left. Oh, nice. Ridley Scott just used that. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Was this from Barry Lyndon or something? I think it must have been from something like that, yeah. Because there's not many um, Kubrick films with green in them. <laughs> no. Very true. Oh yeah, I didn't know that. That's quite interesting. I've got to think what you're. Um... Yeah, so feel free to take a guess. Uh, things that could potentially have a follow-up. No. 
Am I pretty close? No. Oh. <sighs> Damn it. <laughs> Just uh, whilst we're talking about films. Whilst we're talking about films. Okay, yeah. As we do, we are meant to talk about films, I think. We talk about whatever we want to talk about, really. Spot yeah, well, fuck it. Let's talk about films. Okay. Um, last night I watched a film. That's, that's no. Yeah, and you'd like this film. I mean, you probably you may have seen it because I know that me and you both are a big, big fan of the director, who is I don't know how to say his name, Armando Inuachi. Is that it? Armando Iannucci. Armando Iannucci. That sounds about right. Was it um, David Copperfield? It was David Copperfield. Oh, I nearly went to see it in the cinema, but I didn't. It was so brilliant. It's on Amazon oh. Prime, and I bought it. Oh, oh it is. Oh. The, what a, we, I love the cast. Hugh Laurie, Peter Capaldi, uh, Ben Wishsaw, Dev Patel, Tilda Swinton. Oh, gosh, I was having an absolute blast with it. It is so brilliant. And, it, and, and it's, it's Dickens done by uh, Armando Iannucci, <laughs> which is almost the perfect pairing. I, it's so bizarre, though. I was watching, you know, um, sort of Death of Stalin in the loop, thick of it. It's all yeah. filmed very simply with sort of this handheld shaky cam the whole time. Yes, not so much Death of Stalin, but very much the other stuff. Yeah, well, this was very, very stylistic. Stylistic like, how? Well, the the for, for example, the the uh, this isn't spoiler, but it's David Copperfield presenting his life in like a theatre, and he's reading from oh yeah, sort of his memoirs. <clears throat> anyway, so what he does, he sort of turns around occasionally and walks into a, a oh, set. Yeah. And like you have sets put being pulled down and sort of being punched through and curtains coming up everywhere. It's very theatrical. That sounds that sounds great. It is great. Oh, god, it's brilliant. Definitely watch it. Um, okay. And also the he um, he cast using what that what he's called color blindness. Uh. Where he you know well obviously David Copperfield played by Dev Patel. David Copperfield in the Dickens book isn't Caucasian. No, isn't um, mixed race, is he? Probably. I don't. I don't know. I haven't read it. Well, it. I. It was very interesting to see how he sort of cast um, people of color into a Dickens work. But it didn't feel. The thing I'm trying to say is it didn't feel contrived at all. It, you, you just sat back and you went, okay, yeah, that's fine. It was... Yeah, it's almost like we're looking. A lot of the things he said about the dialogue as well, because I heard him talk about the way that they use the dialogue, um, was that don't speak in you know that Dickensian way. Speak like you would speak it. Yeah. Because it's just you know this is just them speaking to each other. Yeah. They're not performing. They're not being Dickensian. They're being modern people. Yeah. So. I mean, some actors pulled it off, okay, some actors di didn't pull that off as well. It was sort of a bit odd. But apart from that, it was brilliant. You'd love it. Watch it. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I will go away and watch that. Good. Um, but you won't get a point for it. <laughs> I know. But then I'll have someone to talk to about it, so that'll be fine. Yeah, that's Even true. if it is just you. Even if it is little old me. <laughs> Right. So my um music now, unless you yes. want to talk about a particular film that you've seen recently. Uh I started watching The Five Bloods the other day. Never uh, heard of that. It's a recent film on Netflix by Spike Lee. Oh, very good. Very uh, good. He's a very, very good director. And it's about four um Vietnam veterans who who found a bunch of gold uh and then because of the african american uh soldiers so they were in vietnam they found a cache of gold <clears throat> and rather than declaring it and taking it back to their superiors they decided to bury it and then come back for it years later mm. as sort of um was like as as penance <laughs> but for what they had been made to go through. Yeah. Uh, and I haven't seen the film in, in its fullest, but it's re I've seen like the first hour. It's really good. It sounds pretty good. And the first, the first 15 minutes of it 
is mainly um, sort of old stock footage and old newsreels. Mm. It's really powerful stuff. Mm. Spike Lee likes doing that, doesn't he? He likes putting in real footage of stuff. He did the same at the end of Black Clansman. He just threw all this um, news footage. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he did. And that was... That was also... Very Black Clansman is very good. Yeah. And the, the footage at the, at the end is very powerful. But yes, I have been watching Defy Bloods. I need to finish watching that, actually. I'll probably do that today. <sighs> okay, so yes, your music choice, please. My music choice um, is pretty simple today. It's just the single Love Will Tear Us Apart by Joy Division. Is it, it is it bad to say that I really hate that song? <laughs> why do you? Why, why do you? Well, the, I'll be the band weren't big on it either. They weren't happy with the result of it. So <laughs> I'll be I'll be interested to hear why you weren't happy. Well, it's like all the bands do. They think it's trendy to sort of diss their most played track because obviously they, they they've got their favourites and they don't want the, the Oasis did the same with Wonderwall. He says they'd never written it, which is fair enough. And um, Joy Division have done. Basically said they they weren't happy with the result of Level Terrace Part. Why don't you like it? Well, I don't think it's that. I think that's an exaggeration. I like it a little bit, but fundamentally, bloody hell! Cheer <laughs> up, lads. I, yeah. It's not that bad. You, you say that, but this is probably their most cheery song out of every single one of them. The title of the song is "Love Will Tear Us Apart Again." I love Terrace Apart again. Yeah. Bloody. <laughs> it's really cheery, isn't it? But it's. I I like it a lot. It's, uh, lots of other people like it. I'm not the only one. It's called the best single of all time. Which I don't know oh, if you'd agree I with do. that. I don't know. Rolling Stone or something. I saw it on a Wikipedia page when I was researching for it. Okay. But, you know, and I thought that was interesting, actually, because we, we uh, thought Blue Monday was, but that's New Order, but that's basically Joy Division anyway, so Joy Division slash New Order have jo- two. Joy Division minus one, isn't it? Yeah, pretty much. Minus, minus quite the notable one. Yes. and th- this notable way. This one, actually, Ian Curtis, had um, Love Will Tear Us Apart on his, he has it on his gravestone, which I thought was peculiar, since he didn't like the song. Yeah. It was his wife that put it on there for him. Oh, okay. Because I suppose love did... No, I don't know. You'd you have don't to know, do you? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so why have you picked um, Love Will Tear Us Apart again, then? It's, uh, well, I... As a single, I think it's 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 very good, and it's probably the band's happiest um, piece. So it was released in... I mentioned 1980, didn't I? So it was sort of... The end of sort of that grungy seventies period that Wiznell and I has, and sort of into this post-punk phase, maybe. Yeah, post-punk Just... would be a way of describing it. Yeah, and um, it's really good. I actually first heard the song when I was um, no, I might listen to it on an album actually, but I remember watching Doctor Who and hearing the song played in two thousand and. Six or something, oh, and it was on. Um, it was in uh, a school reunion, the episode with um, David Tennant and um, Elizabeth Slade and then Billy Piper, which is a great episode. But yeah, I remember hearing it there first, and they used it again later on in um, in Doctor Who as well in series ten with Peter Capaldi, which was interesting. So they've used the song twice in Doctor Who, but then I suppose they probably used it in every single show ever. I think. Do you know what I mean? It's a it's a very famous song. It's a very famous song. Um, you know. Yeah. Get the rights to it. Slap it on. Jobs indeed. are good. Indeed, indeed. indeed. The, the, your link isn't they've all they've all somehow connected themselves to Doctor Who, is it? Because you've got Paul McGann, and now and you've just gone on a spiel about Doctor Who. I always spiel about Doctor Who. Always managed to link everything to Doctor Who, but is that your guess? Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's that's it. That's the link. Yeah, yeah. that's the link. Is it? That's it. They all have 
links or ties to the brilliant show Doctor Who. So I take it for your book, you've chosen uh, Scherzo. No, no, we said we weren't allowed audio plays. Although it is the Did same we? author. It's the same author. If you remember who that is. Well, I think you Gaiman. No, although it could have been Gaiman. Oh, I have no idea who I'm thinking of now. You're thinking of? Just, I've just confused myself entirely. No, I can't see that. Oh, you it's it uh... past. <laughs> uh, Robert Sherman. Sherman. Okay. Um, I've just told you the book, so you didn't guess that. But we're not talking about my book yet. We need to talk about your film first. But well done, you've got two two and a half points now. Yay! Right, my music. It is. Do you want me to give you a little bit of sh- spiel uh, before yeah, I tell on, you what on. it is? Okay. Yeah. So, I think uh, that this is going to be most known from its appearance in the Black Panther trailer, which I think is true. I think I remember hearing it in the Black Panther trailer. That's a good bit of trivia that I don't know. Um, It was released in the early 70s, maybe 1970 on the dot, um, and was very much part of a... I don't actually know how to spiel about it that much. That's okay. I don't think I'll guess it. Just... It is The Revolution Will Not Be Televised by Gil Scott Heron. I've... That's, that rings a bell. Yeah. But I don't think I've heard the album. Okay. It is an album and a song, actually. And I can't really remember which one I'd rather talk about, the album or the song. Because... Well, who, who's the I'll... artist? I've never heard of the artist. Gil Scott Heron is American... Um sort of poet and singer who largely he was you know soul and uh, jazz sort of scene but also quite quite um, he was a poet at the time I honestly my level of research <laughs> is pathetic. <laughs> In that it is about five minutes. So what? You haven't shed any light on the song. Okay. Yet. So the re- or... the revolution will not be televised. Um, is sort of just a spoken poem and a list. Um, that basic it sort of lists off. The revolution will not be brought to you by Coca Cola after a short ad break or something like that it's um jay can i interrupt you there for a second yes please do so i had a dream last night um and in that dream um our podcast was being advertised on the tv for some reason and um but for some reason it had chosen a a video footage of it and it was just um right so in this dream (laughs) our podcast was being advertised on, on the TV and they chosen video footage for some reason. So it, it was like I'm seeing now with you on a big screen and me on a little screen. And for some reason, they'd just chosen to advertise a bit where all you're doing is, is sort of hesitating and then you cough. And that's a, that's the advertisement. Okay. I mean, I do that quite a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you just coughed and I, said, and I suddenly had it. I was like, I had a dream about Jay coughing. <laughs> Such a specific thing. <laughs> you, got, you coughed and I had a dream about you coughing <laughs> but yes that, that, that was my dream but yeah okay. go on carry on um, I've given you time to research it now so you should be fine it's not what I've been doing oh, I've been setting up OBS brilliant useless um, <clears throat> so it's a spoken poem that um, focuses uh, very much on sort of American media and how it isn't useful to the movement of the time. And I think what's really interesting about that is, you know, the revolution will not be televised. The revolution will be live, 
which is what is said mm. uh, right at the very end of the song. And that almost like that's not true anymore. What do you mean? The revolution is being televised, like Twitter and uh, on the news constantly. You know, that's how it is now. Mm. In that, you know, 40, 40, 50 years since that song came out, <clears throat> the way of, you know, showing the revolution, that's. It's completely different, and it's a really good song, and it's a really good album as well. And I think, and I feel like it's really under listened to because it's really good. But um, yes, I might actually give that a listen. Possibly. Good. Would you like to make a guess? Oh, uh, oh yes. Gosh, yeah. Oh, uh, oh well. This is as you you talked about. Uh... How like they've changed? Like Blade Runner has changed over that forty years where we didn't have it, and and the revolution is now televised. I don't think I can link it. No, I don't know. Was I on the right lines with what I was saying? How they've changed? Um, I mean. You're, there's an element of of what you're talking about in in there, but I don't feel like your brain is going on quite the right lines. Okay. Or maybe well, it's it's going it's on the right lines, but it's not far enough down the road yet. Yeah, I think that's probably it. Hmm. Hmm. Well. Okay, so your book. Is my book. Robert Sherman. Was it? Yes, it is Robert Sherman. Everyone's just so special. It's a collection of short stories. And I don't know why people don't read short stories anymore. I love short stories. I don't know if people don't read short stories anymore. Do they not? I don't think so. Well, I don't know. I don't know many people. (laughs) To be honest, neither do I. (laughs) And the people I do know, I mean, they're lovely people. Yeah, you've um, got to get that in first. They're, they're lovely people, but they don't. Um, well, they don't read short stories. So, I think you're the only person I know who who actively reads short stories. See, there we go. That's what, and I don't know why because they watch short stories on the TV. I mean, many episodes and whatnot. And anyway, so just to give you a quick rundown of of this book, well, you've already guessed my link, so now I can just talk about it and not have to talk about it too much. Well, oh, Robert Sherman, obviously. Um, bit about him quickly so he did write for doctor who he wrote that one episode in series one which was daleks chris Rexel, which was a brilliant episode um and he's written a lot for big finish as well but this is what one of his uh, collection of short stories so in this collection you've got lots of you've got lots of stuff going on you've got a, a story where a um a woman uh, wants to get married to a, a a camel and um yeah, that's as weird as it as it sounds. And you've got a story where every year there's this girl with a condition where she sheds her skin, and um, and she puts her old self up in the attic. Um, so she's got one year old, two year old, three year old, four year old, five year old selves just like walking around in in her attic. And you've got ones about like killer angels and. Um... Did you say walking around? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Wait, that, so 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 she said so so she sheds her skin, but it's still animated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's really weird. It is really weird. And you've got a really weird one, which is I'll, I'll just tell you about this one. So you've got um, it's called Granny's Grinning, and um, basically the grandma comes round, and um, the family they're like, oh look, oh her husband's just died. Can you sort of um make yourself look a bit like like him? And um, and Granny starts touching up the um, her grandson and stuff. Yeah. Why he would they? Why would they think that was a good idea, though? I don't. This author does a lot of incest stuff like that. I mean, in his short collection of plays, which I've got as well, there's another one like that where they family pimp the daughter out to the um, to the grandfather or something. It's really weird. It's really creepy and like dark, dark humor. Very dark humour. Interesting. 
Uh, I mean to lend you the plays at some point because you'd like the plays. Okay. Yeah, I like. I do like reading plays. That's that's really interesting. That, that's that. Huh. Two two points for you. Two and a half. Yeah. Yeah. The the, the one about the past selves is the best one. Where she keeps all of her past selves in, in the attic. That is really good. And then like she she marries a a man, but he only loved her when they got married which was oh. when she was 18 so he cheats on her with her 18 year old self and yeah it was really 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 weird that's really cool actually it is kind of cool okay i like that yeah your book my book i've i've got no chance of guessing this really well i don't know it was written in the early 1940s early 1940s late 1940s actually um <clears throat> by a very renowned british author and it um depicts an uprising and the following ah yes animal farm yes another okay. uprising very interesting yeah but there so that's really... half a point to you really oh yeah yeah sorry i've got one point now <clears throat> Very good. Yes, I'm, I'm thinking about uprisings now because there's, they're all about revolutions. But Blade Runner 2049 sort of is a bit of a re- is your link revolution. Yeah, it is. There we go. <laughs> I got one point. You're got you're on two points now, and you're on two and a half. So just a very a very so it's, it's been even so far. Anyway, yeah. so let's talk about Animal Farm a little bit. Yeah, that's, that's because uh, you've read Animal Farm, haven't you? I cheated and listened to the audio book, but yeah. Okay, yeah, I I read it um, in English lessons in 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 year nine. Why did you read it in English lessons and I didn't? No, it's because um, remember with we had literacy lessons, and like after about two months, they just devolved into just bugger off to the library and read for a bit. Yeah, I remember that now. And and the book that I chose to read was Animal Farm. I always just took the Guinness Book of World Records and flipped through that. Uh, right. like, like everyone else. You weirdo. See, I, 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 I couldn't be asked to talk to anyone. <laughs> or, to, or to try and interact with other people. So I just went, I'm just going to sit in the corner and actually read a book. Yeah. And anyway, yeah. Animal Farm is a book I want to read, so I'm going to go read it. It's a good book. It's a really good book. It's been a long time since I've read it, and I can't remember everything about it. But I remember how good it is. Yeah, I remember certain certain aspects of it because I I was studying um, Russia at the time. Oh right, yeah. Um, and the revolution in Russia, which is thought to be what it was sort of based on, and I thought some of it was really interesting. Like you've got the thing where they've got sort of I can't remember how many laws, but they've got ten laws which all the animals must abide by mm. at all times. And slowly but surely, the rules begin to change and some get rubbed off and the animals are going oh but wasn't uh, th- that wasn't the rule before and they go no 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 that's always been the rule that's always been the rule and it's, it's yeah. stuff like that and I, I remember that you had sort of each group of society represented and each sort of political view represented by an animal yes so you had the, the horse I remember very well he was very resistant to change yeah, and and they and they rep- and the horse, um, he re- basically represented the workers, the yeah. proletariat, and the pigs were fascists, essentially the, the government, the authority figures. Yeah, um, and I, there were sheep, who are yeah. sort of, are they like the administrators? I feel like they were admin. I thought the sheep were just very much sheep, where they just followed. That that might be true, yeah. I remember the ending very vividly. It was kind of a scary, oh yeah, yeah. scary ending. I remember being quite um disturbed by it. Yeah, Orwell is very good at a dystopian terror. Mm-hmm. Because you know you get because the ending essentially is where you get what is supposed to be a communist utopia. And it the book the book in in essence is just how that can 
and does over time slowly just devolve into fascism. Mm. It's it's weird. It's like you get the uh, axis and you go left, um, <laughs> and then you go so and then you go so far left that you end up on the right. Yeah, they meet in the middle. Yeah, yeah. Which I think is is really cool, and it's really well explained as well. Yeah, he's so it's when you think about it, he's what he's done is just it's a whole analogy of communism as as a part of a farm. Yeah. Like who even thinks like that? Do you know what I mean? Like that is bizarre, but it's so it works so yeah, well. It works perfectly. And he's he, just those messages in general are, all, are always so brilliantly done in Orwell. Yeah. Because 1984 as well. You get a long and boring spiel about three quarters of the way book through the book, which is basically someone has written a book explaining the party hmm. and the the self-perpetuating nature of the war like you know um they could you got three main nations you got east asia eurasia and oceania yeah and essentially um they're always either at at war with one and at peace with <laughs> another and that's constant but essentially, you could just at, be at peace with all of them at the same time because it doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> but to control the population and to control where you want your population's attention to go, you need to distract them with something. So you distract yeah. them by making them fiercely patriotic. Yeah. And, and telling uh, them about a, you know, a great evil over overseas. Yeah, and that's that's what that's what lots of countries have done. That's what Russia did with the um, Russia-Japan war, whenever that was in the twentieth century. To just, they use war to distract from like social issues, is essentially, it, isn't it? Yeah. So because everyone agrees on war, that's a, that's the thing. If you lunge into a war, everyone will go, "Oh, I want to fight for my country." So you all unite in you, you all unite in war, essentially. As bad as yeah. that is, it's really it's really interesting, and actually. I mentioned the Five Bloods earlier, um, mm. because the Vietnam <clears throat> War was also was basically was also taking place at a time of immense trouble on in America's you know home mm. counties with the hippies. No, not the hippies. <laughs> oh, not the hippies, you idiot. The civil rights movement. Yeah. And it was in full swing. And there were also, you know, I think it was, I can't, there was a statistic that was said in the film that I have uh, briefly forgotten because I started watching it about five days ago. But I was like, the black, uh, the African American population were being. Uh, almost disproportionately killed in Vietnam as well, whilst they were, or they were, they were overrepresented in terms of the population. Uh, That's interesting. Sort of, uh, waitings, and then at home as well, they were being, you know, fiercely oppressed. Mm. And there's that sense of, you know, there's troubles at home and abroad. But the government would much rather focus on the troubles abroad because <laughs> troubles at home are hard. <laughs> yeah. Rather not deal with that, thanks. Mm. Yeah. Animal Farm is well, really good. Animal Farm is really good. Whilst we're talking about books, actually, Jay, I finally started reading that book that you told me to... Well, you didn't tell me to read, but you told me to read. <laughs> well, that depends on um, wh which book was that then? Uh, oh, why I'm no longer talking to white people. Oh, good. About race. Um, I'm up to chapter four, so I've done the um, done the essay, done the history bit, done the bit in between, and then done the white supremacy bit as well. So, are you on to um, 
uh, being black and feminism. Yeah, that that'll be my next one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Great. Yeah, yeah that's a that's a really good chapter, actually. Actually, it's, fav- it's all good. It's all brilliant. My, my favorite chapter has been the history chapter so far, with the sort of the eighties stuff that happened in the UK was really yeah. interesting. Yeah, it's really fascinating. <laughs> I feel like a lot of that stuff as well. I didn't really know. Was, I almost feel vaguely ashamed that I didn't really know about a lot of this. No, stuff I, I didn't know about any of it. None of it. I know. I I remember. I knew bits and pieces from the Stephen Lawrence case. Yes. Yeah. But from the history section, you know, that's. It's almost like that's all I really knew. Yeah, I didn't even know the Stephen Lawrence case, barely. Yeah, but I yeah I didn't really know the Stephen Lawrence case very well either. I I I heard about it on the news, and there was a couple of years ago when it was the twentieth or twenty fifth anniversary, and mm. they had a big news thing on it, and I think ITV did a dramatization. Possibly, that might be wrong. Maybe. But I remember there was a lot of coverage over it at the time, um, and I picked up a few details. But yeah, I do. I think I think we need to be taught about this stuff more. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I would agree with that. Anyway, we, have we got anything else to say? Hope you're all well. Yeah. Um, I hope you're all. You know, stay healthy. safe. Yeah, stay healthy, stay happy. Yeah. You make me happy. What? It's from a film. Which which film? I'm not sure, but it's from a film. You make me happy. Might, might be Truman Show. It sounds very Jim Carrey. It kind of does, yeah. Good. That's good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Yep. Same here. Good night. Good evening. Good bye. <laughs> See ya.